Hello everyone and welcome back to the Two Baggies One Level Podcast. I'm of course your host Max and joined with me is co-host Dom. How you doing today Dom? Uh, Alright mate, a bit bummed out. Yeah, how's that? Uh, my Xbox is- <laughs> exploded this morning. I swear. <laughs> yeah, honestly mate, absolutely terrible. Rip uh, 2013 to 2021, it's had a good run. But it's uh, um, yeah, it's gone and died on me today mate. That's an hour <sighs> can't lie. Yeah, the FIFA career mode's going to take a hit. Not going to lie. Oh, but, that's um, big, man. I hate that. Yeah. My, my PS4. Leeds United are not going to get to the Champions League final. Damn. Just telling you now. I'm on my fourth Albion save. It's probably my oh, best yeah. one so far, yeah. Got some good transfers in. Got got um, got Chambers in from Arsenal for the centre-back. Splashed out on Pedri from Barca. Cheeky naughty potential Ooh. on that one. Nice. A uh, couple of Donnies as well for the, uh, for the front line. Who did I sign? No, it's only one up front. So I've got Grant, and Grant turns into a decent striker. Well, mate, whenever I pick up a FIFA game, I, I blast through the Albion career mode pretty quickly, win the Champions League, win the Premier League, feel work. great. On, you know what I mean? Work. Light work. And then I've got to go for the, the weird, obscure teams for a little bit, and then I'll pick up someone, I'll be oh, I'll play Leeds, because Ellen Rhodes just come in on FIFA 21, finally. It's next and gen, I love the fact it? that I've... Uh, next gen- No, no, on the uh, Xbox Is One version, true? oh God. Oh, yeah. Well, I did, I should say. I should start using past tense now. So rest in peace, Tom's uh, Xbox, yeah. Rest in peace. Mate, eight years. FG eight years. It's not bad. Not um, bad. 2013. Mine's the same. First mine, ever model. Yeah, mine's the same. Well, I've got a PS4 because PlayStation's better, obviously. And I got this pre-owned, like, I think it was 2014, first release. And this MF is going to take off, bro. This has got... <laughs> it sounds like a jet engine. Like, I could turn it on now and then just open it, open an app and it'll almost explode like it's got the plastics warped on the sides it's got two art at points and it's disgusting man you know quicker i get the ps5 the better to be fair well i'm gonna see if i can fix it i'm gonna try and take it somewhere see if i can resurrect mm. the little sucker because i'm not buying a new one um no, no, no. you know i said i'm not gonna buy a new one i've got the new the new computer and stuff i've splashed out on the new mm. pc setup bro so PC you know master forget race. the xbox it's old news yeah i'm part of the master race now mate Come on. you know got Got it down, the cooling, the cooling system's on point, everything's all sorted, but it's just the FIFA, mate, I'll have to buy it on Steam, but I digress, bro, forget it. <laughs> well, RRP Dom's Xbox, drop an F in the uh, the chat for that. Um, speaking of games, I have just started Football Manager as well, first time in a while. Uh, we spoke about that before, I don't think on podcast, but I think we were talking about it and you just had to close the application to prevent yourself from just getting addicted again. I can't do it, mate, it's a drug. The thing is a literal drug. I'm not. I'm not even joking. I can't do it anymore. I've got to stop it. I think we did speak about it in the podcast because I said that I did picked it. up um, Championship Manager 2000 2001 was my first ever, you know, football simulation game, yeah. and I just pumped that with time. I think I put months and months and months of Jeez. game time into it. Got to like probably 2021, you know, from so like 20 odd 20 years, years, 20 yeah. seasons. Um, so yeah, I know since, you know, like te- five, 10 years ago, I'm just like, no, I can't touch him. It's my footballing crack. I can't touch it. Yeah. You know, get addicted. It's a time sponge for me. I just do nothing else. It does I can't take do a while, it. man. It's, it's very addictive though. Like I find myself just celebrating goals. Um, it's not even the real Albion. You know, I'm doing this football manager save on, uh, just Albion celebrating goals when they go in and then getting battered 4-1 by Leeds after going one and up. He loves to Dude, see it really. When- Dude, when you know the goal scorer of the second division Mexican league in like 2005, <laughs> you know you've gone too far. You're way down the rabbit hole, way too much. Oh my god. Um, if you guys play Football Manager any games like that, let us know. We'll talk about them even more if you want us to. Um, but today we've got a special episode for you guys. Obviously, it's not a uh, 
not a game, not a game on the moment. You know, it's FA Cup. Mad game yesterday with Tottenham Everton five four. That was quite insane. Um, I was watching a film and then turned it on and I was like, "Jeez, I've missed such a great game." I was quite annoyed at that. Um, but um, we're doing unpopular opinions today because there's no Albion game until the weekend. Of course, the cooldown XL and the cooldown will be back. Uh, but in the meantime, what we want to do is we want to do an unpopular opinion segment um, in each episode. So whenever you get an unpopular opinion or something that you think might be a hot take, uh, send it to us at Two Buggers One Light Bulb, and you may stand a chance of being in uh, the next episode. However, today um, we've got a, compil- a, a com- compilation, a compilement of mm-hmm. um, these unpopular opinions, and we're going to go through them, go through the best ones, um, see if we agree, maybe a bit of debate if Dom agrees and I disagree, or I agree and Dom disagrees. So, mm, um, which usually happens. Which usually happens. Uh, just look at the last episode about uh, Pereira. Mm. And I got some got some heat for that, mate. I got some yeah. proper proper heat from that on the DMs. Um, but fair enough. Controversial opinion. You got to check them out there that. occasionally. What was people saying? Well, just because I was saying that you know Pereira might have to be benched. It's you know because he doesn't work in this system necessarily, and I wasn't necessarily advocating for that because I love Pereira. But I felt like if we're really going to have to adopt this Samaladici way of playing this negative style, then mm. he might have to be collateral damage for it. Um, so people in the DMs hitting me up, people commenting on the Instagram and stuff, just saying, you know, oh, you know, Pereira's got to play. Pereira's a start. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I agree. That's I my agree guys. guys. That's my guys. Um, it's just, it's what I'm saying. I'm just on the fence. I'm just talking about this is what we might have to adopt moving forward to really go 100% in on yeah. these horrible, horrible Sam Allardyce tactics. Ever yeah, the mate. diplomat, Dom, sitting on the fence there. So we're going to go through these unpopular opinions and then we'll have... Uh, them sprinkled through future episodes. So, like I said, whenever you get a hot take, you know, uh, Sam Allardyce is better manager than Pep Guardiola. Shoot it over to us, and it might stand <laughs> a chance of getting in a uh, an episode. He's a genius, of mate. Don't you know? He's a genius. Oh, yeah. I know. According to Pep as well. Um, so be sure to send those over. Uh, keep sending us your favourite Albion moments. Uh, we want to be adding those in at the end of an episode, sort of mm. a little a, a positive round out to an episode. Rather than just talking about depressing losses or depressing uh, situations around the club, so keep those coming in. Mm. Lots of stuff coming from our side. Um, more fan involvement, uh, taking levels up because we want to keep this going as long as we can at a good level, and that involves you guys. So keep on sending in your stuff. We thank you for listening to all our stuff, and we hope you continue to do so. So, without further ado, let's get into these unpopular opinions. Okay, so. Unpopular opinion number one comes from Jar Baggy. He says, Carl Bartley has been better than Semi Ajoy this season, slash, we need relegation to fix our club, rebuild, etc. Dom, what position do you take on the first part, Carl Bartley being better than Ajoy? Because I know where I stand. I'm interested as to where you stand. No. Next question. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that one. No, you, flesh it out sense. a little bit. I mean, he has improved, right? So Carl Bartley has improved. Mm. But the problem is, is that Carl Bartley has a ceiling. And even when Carl Bartley's playing out of his skin, and there have been instances of that this season, you yeah. know, his determination for me isn't in question. He has got good determination. And as a fan, you love to see that. That's the very least you expect. You know, the guy to actually want to play football matches, and mm. he's got that. But the problem is, is that his skill set is you know, at a level and he's not going to surpass that with his age and his ability at this point. Um, So, you know, for me, 
he's hit the most he can hit. He's had, you know, two or three standout games this season, but we've still lost or not got the result we expected. Whereas Semi Ajayi, apart from maybe one or two foibles, has consistently been our best defender for two, almost two seasons now. Since he's come to the club, really, he's been our best defender and improved game after game. And you watch him every single game and you can kind of go, wow, look how his distribution's improved there. Look at his defensive mindset there. Oh, look at his positioning there. You can literally pick little elements of his game quite quickly like having watched three or four matches from the previous games and go, oh, wow, look how his defensively minded, like how his defensive mindset's changed there. Oh, look at his positioning and you can pick it out. And it's great as a football fan because you can quite clearly see his level of improvement. Whereas with Carl Bartley, it's kind of like, oh, well, he didn't tank the game today or he had an oak, he had a good game because we've come in with a pre, uh, sorry, with the notion that he's going to suck because of, a lot of, you know, a, a wealth and a history of games where he has sucked, you know what I mean? Especially in the championship. Um, so for me, Carl Bartley will never be as good as Semi Ajayi. Yeah, I, I definitely second that. Um, I think Carl's just uh, very suited to this style of football. Like he's willing yeah. to put his body on the line. He's willing to dive in front of every ball to block it. And he's been very passionate, even amongst such uh, dreadful performances. But Semi Ajayi's class is just a level above Kyle's I think and I think mm. there's a, a step above for Shemi to take um, and I think when if we do get relegated which is looking likely he'll move on to a club and I think he'll he'll be a consistent Premier League centre half for a, for a few years yeah so mm. I, I can see what people would think that Kyle's been better because of the desire and how he's performing inside this inside this Billich um, Ajayi not them inside this Allardyce system <laughs> But uh, Ajayi is far and away the better player, in my opinion. Uh, far far better at carrying the ball and distributing it with his feet. Um, it's just a shame that we don't use those anymore because we're playing under Sam Allardyce. Mm. Um, yeah, it's true, actually. I didn't think about it like that because he's actually a really good distributor of the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Guardiola must be looking at him. I've got to say, like he's got to look at him because he's a great distributor of the ball as a centre-back. I don't centre-back. know about that much. I don't know if he's, he's Man City level. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just kind of I kind of threw a name out there because obviously he loves a good distributing uh, centre-back, yeah. doesn't he? Good old Pep. But... Um, I mean, he's got a great element to his game with that. I mean, I don't think everyone will be harping on about Carl Bartley. And I've said on previous podcasts, he's had a good game. And he has. He's had mm-hmm. good elements to his game. And he has improved during this Premier League campaign. But like I said, I don't think people would even be asking this like Jarbaggy did, necessarily, if he hadn't had that short-term history of um, having really, really terrible you know, runs of form, which he has yeah. done, especially in the Championship. You know... I know he's just he's performing well, and we're not going to take that away from him. But no, just, he's, he hasn't been as good as Ajayi this year. Uh, even mm. though you could say Ajayi hasn't been good the second off the season, but I think that comes with confidence. Like people talking about him not going for those long passes for those clip passes that he might have before. But that that just comes with the style of football and the fact that he's playing under Allardyce and the mood isn't as good. Now, what about mm. the second half that we need relegation? In his opinion, do you would you agree with that? We need relegation in order to rebuild. See, it's it's difficult. It's difficult for me because I don't think ne- I don't think relegation necessarily helps us in mm. terms of the intrinsic problem of the club. And obviously, long term listeners and listeners of this podcast will know the intrinsic problem with the club is the administration and the ownership, right? So, for me, I don't think necessarily going down or being relegated helps enough to to try and get us sold. If anything, it could be a hindrance in terms of trying to get us sold. You know, a club, uh, someone coming in might not want to buy a Championship club and only want to buy a Premier League club. So, in that sense. 
it you know it's going to stop us from being sold you know someone could argue um so i I don't think it helps in that sense. In terms of rebuilding the squad, the only way it would help rebuild the squad, depending on your perception, is you know you get rid of the dead wood um, and start again. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think yeah. we'll get rid of the dead wood. I think, I think what will happen chance. is we lose our best players. Yeah, that's we, had, we had that chance where we went down, which obviously wasn't ideal. But we could say we had a rebuild because the average age of the squad dropped dramatically, um, especially mm. after the first season of the championship when Billich comes in. And we bring in new players like Shemi Joy comes in, um, good players coming into their the prime of their career, um, and that's a bit of a rebuild job there. We get promoted, but we haven't invested enough. So we're now looking at bring you know looking at selling those players that we brought in before and having to find some more to come in and replace them, which yeah. is going to be much, substantially more difficult. So I don't think re- I, I think in the silver linings there will be uh, positives in relegation. However, I think they're much more outnumbered by the, f- the negatives. Do you so, know what it? Um, do you know what it reminds me of? Is I saw I can't remember where I saw it somewhere on Instagram, uh, one of the Albion fan pages, and I think yeah. they put the question across in one of their stories, and basically they said something along the lines of, um, you know, they showed Brentford's form, I think it was, and they said, um, did we get promoted too early? You know, considering what Brentford are doing at the moment in the Championship, look like they're a really strong team. Yeah. They're built on the successes of last season, and they look like that when they do come to the Premier League, which is going to—it's not a certainty, but it looks very, very likely—they're um, going to be better equipped than we were in order to stay in the Premier League, and that's what they were kind of asserting or asking their their fans or whatever. And I was thinking to myself, you know, a lot of people would say, yeah, probably. We could have probably done with an extra season in the Championship to really veteran this squad, get more out of this squad. But really, you know, I kind of think the contrary to that because I think the longer you stay in the Championship, the worse it is and the less likely you are to get out of it. You know, history tells us this is the case. You stay longer than three seasons, three three plus seasons in the Championship, you're there for decades, son. You're there for the foreseeable. You know, yeah. Villa got out uh, in two seasons. We got out in two seasons. And if you look three, at how we've... Was it... Oh, was it two two or three? I can't remember. It was less than three, though, wasn't it? It was three or... It was two or three. Who cares? Pretty sure it was two. <laughs> but who cares? I, I don't give a shit in terms of Villa. Uh, but with us, whenever we've had our Boing Boing gears, we've got out in one season or two seasons. Mm-hmm. You know... Three or more seasons, you're talking about, you know, Leeds before they got promoted. You're talking about Middlesbrough, Forest, you know, all these teams, you know, teams in League One as well that have been that have been down there for for decades, son, because they didn't get out in the magic two two or three seasons. So I think another season in the Championship could have been worse for us. And when we consider as well the players that we had, Dean Garner on loan, Pereira um, on loan as well. If we'd have dropped and stayed in the Championship another season, they I guarantee those players have gone back to their parent squads. Guarantee it. Yeah, There's no way we sign those two players. And we'd have been worse for it. You know, I think, but I, I can see teams... what people are saying about being relegated though. Like getting rid of Sam, getting rid of all this kind of stuff, starting afresh. But we could do that anyway. We could do that if we, if we stayed in the Premier League this season. You know, um, and it might be the case even that Sam goes before the end of the Premier League campaign. If you believe some of the rumours that are kind of circling at the moment on Twitter and on Instagram, well, yeah. that there's like a clause in the contract or something like that walk. that was put in, that you can well, walk or. It'd be very, like that. very funny if it happens, and would prove a lot of us right. I think with Brentford, I think there are teams that are far more equipped in the Championship to go up and survive. I.e., Swansea, mm. Norwich, and Watford, and teams like that would be far more equipped because they're far more willing to spend money 
whereas I don't think Brentford would be, be willing to deviate from their sort of money ball uh, mantra that they're running at the moment. Um, and know. they're also cereal uh, bottlers, so... I think their Moneyball mantra is a bit overhyped, if I'm perfectly exactly. honest. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not hating on Brentford, but I'm just saying there's a oh, difference. They're not they're, they're they're only using similar statistical approaches that most other football clubs are doing. The only difference is that they've shut down their academy uh, and they've got a good transfer policy that they've picked up a few good players. But to be honest, we would have picked those players up if we'd signed the championship. Judgment. I guarantee that we would have signed Ivan Tony oh, yeah. um, over Brentford if we'd have stayed in the championship. So, you know, these these you know, people say money ball and whatever, and I know you're not, but I'm just saying I think they're overhyping it just a little bit because they kind of buy into the narrative a little bit more. No, I agree. Um I Brentford think are a good club, overhyped but... Thomas Frank as well. I wouldn't say mm. Thomas Frank of the Albion. Not I don't I, really I don't, don't think, think he'd suit no. I don't think he'd suit the um the um, I tell you who I would a, take though. If I tell you who I would take with the murmurings that are going round. Looks like Roy Hodgson's on his way out of Crystal Palace. And for me, he's the best manager I've seen at the Albion since I've been watching WBA. Yeah, I would take Roy Hodgson in a heartbeat oh, man, if it, it feels came like a out. Backward step, man. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna keep on going this roundabout of having these I know it's the manager or roundabout. Ma- English managers or British managers. Roy Hodgson is a fantastic manager, mate. Honestly, fantastic. And when that. I saw him at the Albion, he's by honestly by far the West the best and we're talking about controversial opinions, but I don't think it's that controversial, really. Um, he's the best manager I've seen at West Brom since I've been watching for the last twenty odd years, easily. Possibly, but I think I think that we need to just sort of think for the future. I think bringing in, I'd much rather have someone like Frank Lampard come in, someone like that, someone with more of a vision. Um, I'd take Eddie Howe before I took Roy. No, I wouldn't actually. That's a lot. Um, I really don't want Eddie Howe. I'm not sold on that sort of stuff, man. I, I don't know. Um, I want to get off this managerial roundabout because if we brought in Hodgson again, within half a decade, we'd have had Pulis, Pardew, Allardyce and Hodgson all, <laughs> all in half a decade. Yeah. And I want to move on from that sort of stuff. I want to move on from that managerial circus of vet, quote-unquote veteran British managers that play a very similar style of football. Um, mm. So I'd much rather us approach someone like Lampard, um, or someone like... Uh, you know, when Graham Potter was appointed at Brighton, you know, ma- managerial minds like that um, and see how it goes. Uh, you know, not not take risks. You know, I don't think Frank Lampard's a risk for us. I don't really don't. I think Frank I think Lampard will be a relative coup. I think he's a risk. I, I Do think? My problem is, my problem is, is that can we afford, because we as football fans, right, especially me and, and, you know, I know you as well. We're fans of football, not just fans of Albion, right? We love the game. We love watching it. And we obviously as fans of Albion, we want to see the best football at our football club because mm. we watch this football week in, week out. So we want to see good football. Obviously, at the moment, we're seeing terrible football, not just because of form, but also the way that we set up. So it's not great from a footballing perspective, right? But from an Albion perspective, we just want the pragmatism of going... We just need results because we want to stay in this league so we can kind of build and keep going and keep pushing forward. But are we in a position, can we afford to buy into footballing mantras and footballing philosophies at a club at our level and really give a manager three to five years to build a squad in the way that um, Bielsa did or these other kinds of teams that come up, things like that. Can we afford to do that? Or are we a club that will perpetually have to keep dipping in to, like you say, the managerial merry-go-round, the circus that keeps going on, you know, the Pardews, the Allardyces, the, um, you know, soon-to-be Roy Hodgson. So I still maintain, if it is a merry-go-round, he's the, you know, the the 
I don't know the the guy that's running the whole circus because mm. he's the he's the best of the lot. Um, he's a fantastic manager. Can we keep doing that? Do we have to buy, Are we can we afford to buy into footballing philosophies, or do we have to keep cherry picking cherry picking from the merry-go-round and going after these managers for short-term fixes because <sighs> we can't afford to try and build something over the course of well, five years? What's the longevity years? of that? What's the longevity and the stability of a club where every year and a half we've got to sack a manager and bring in the younger version? So we have to sack Roy Hodgson after a year and a half and yeah. bring in uh, Allardyce, whoever that might be. Do you know what I mean? If Sean Dyche mm. was appointed, it'd be Sean Dyche, someone like that. You know, we we get we were prepared to give Billich three. You know, what I don't see why we couldn't give them someone two. But it's got us up in a season, you know. Here's three, here's two or three seasons. Try and do it as soon as you can. But you know, we're willing to look at a project. I think we had that with Billich, which is why, again, I say again, I'm frustrated as to why we sacked him because we could have actually built something. Come up, if we have to go back down, we go back down and we go again. You know, we bring in the new recruits. We, we establish a, a a philosophy at the club similar to the playing style of the manager. So. That isn't a risk, in my opinion, with Lampard because it's not like a radical change like Bielsa at Leeds, where it's like this really intense press. Um, it's just a more of an expansive style of football, which is not hard to imp- uh, implement. We, we did it under Bilic. Um, you know, you could argue that Bilic is a much more reserved form of football than what Darren Moore would play. Mm. So, it, it's not a risk, in my opinion, in that sense. Maybe the only risk is say... whether his confidence is not personal. Well, my. My thing for saying it's a risk, the reason why I think it would be riskier than, say, going for someone like Roy Hodgson is because, you know, with Lampard, he's still a manager in his infancy. And you talk about managers. He's a, he's a manager that was trying to build something at Derby. And we're talking about managers that come in trying to create a project for three to five years, which is what he was going to try and do in Derby. When they bought him in, that was the plan. And then he gets cherry-picked by Chelsea. So when you're in a club in our position in the championship, trying to build something, trying to create a foundation, trying to create a philosophy of football, and then because of a club in our position, the manager gets cherry-picked. Um, and then the whole thing falls apart because obviously we live in this system whereby the head coach or the manager, depending, has full autonomy over the squad, the setup, the formations, the philosophy, everything. Once he goes, everything goes to the wayside pretty much, depending on who the next manager is going to be, which is basically well, we have, what happened we have a director at Derby. Of football, and that's not meant to happen with directors of football. It's meant to be a perpetuation of style and that players are brought in for the benefit of the club. That's clearly not working with us at the moment, is it? Um However, True, but there are I, different I think... variables that they manage that they, that they would take. You know, depending on finance, the wage structure, um, the availability of players. You know, player contracts, um, all this other kind of stuff that takes precedence over just footballing stylistics. Whereas, obviously, no, when you're talking to a head coach, that's all they care about. It's about getting the players in, and obviously, you know, we see this with the best managers. They have a good affiliation with you know a director of football that works really really well. Whoever you sign, they're going to fit these footballing styles you want, these football, you know, the skills that you want, but they're also going to fit the parameters that you've set financially. That just goes that that goes for signing any player, in my opinion. Um, but to address your point about Lampard getting cherry picked, something like that, I think the risk with that is far lower now he's been to Chelsea and been sacked unfairly, in my opinion. Um, but that's far less likely. Say if we brought in Gerard, who I'd love Gerard at the Albion. I think he's a very good manager, and I think he will go on to do even bigger things than what he's currently doing at Rangers. However, if we took in Gerard, it would be a, almost like a loan manager for however long until Klopp leaves Liverpool. And Liverpool, right, mm. there we go, Stevie G's time. That's the difference in me. I don't think that necessarily happened with Frank. 
Um, so, I mean, we've, we've gone on quite a bit about this one, in public opinion, because it must be very, <laughs> very hot, a very spicy take. Uh, very from right. contentious. Exactly. Um, so, just to round off, there are positives possibly to the relegation. But we all want to stay in the Premier League at the end of the day. I don't. I don't yeah. like the argument of oh, it's better football in the Championship anyway. Uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, you can argue it's. A bit I more don't like it. I don't like that a bit argument more real at football, all. But the Premier League's where you want to be, isn't it? It's like it's like playing playing a FIFA career mode on amateur, knowing that you can play at professional or world class, and you're winning every game twelve and It's like, well, there's no fun in that. You know, you drop down to the Championship, and yeah, you're winning games two, three a game, and you you're playing great football. But you want to be in the Premier League. You, I, I love watching us against Man United, Man City, Chelsea, all these great teams. Because I can watch great football and I can watch us play against great teams. It's the best of both worlds. And now I'm starting to think about FIFA and the fact that I can't play it anymore, mate. Oh, again, <sighs> I have seen the chat for that man. Bare moment for Dom's Pay broken respects. Xbox. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the next one now, guys. So, on to the next one now. Ooh. The next one? Ooh. The next one. Sorry about that. So... Tay Bonham WBA. He put two in, both about Nasir Chadley. A fit Nasir Chadley in this team would have better stats than Matthias Pereira. And Nasir Chadley is one of the best quality players we've had in a long time. Sad to see mm. him leave. So, if if you don't mind, I'll throw it in this one. Um, I disagree because I think the role in which Matthias Pereira plays allows him to have better stats. Because you mentioned better stats. He would have mm. better stats because of the role he plays, especially uh, recently and, and the form he's on. However, is Nasir Chadley the better player? I'd say on his day, yes, purely because Nasir Chadley was more of a refined product than Matthias Prairies. Because Matthias Prairies is still relatively young um, for his career, I think. He's only 24, 25. Whereas Nasir Chadley might have been later on in his 20s when he joined us. Um, where do you stand on that, Dom? Yeah, I don't think Nasser Chadley is necessarily better than Pereira. Uh, very different types of players. The thing is with Chadley is when we first signed him, um, I think it was back in 2016, wasn't it? Or something like that. When we signed him, it was a massive coup at the time. And it was when we were, you know, we were kind of a well-established Premier League side. And we were like, okay, let's build on this. Let's let's try and attract these, you know, sort of well-rounded Premier League players into the squad that have a good degree of quality, especially when you consider, you know, the the, the Pulis football that proceeded. Um, so it was kind of like, we saw Nasser Chadley, it was like, wow, look at the quality that we've got, you know, in the midfield with this guy. Yeah, Tottenham reject, but he had he had good seasons, he had good times at Tottenham. Um, and then he came to us, um, and I remember... He said that he said it a light. I think when he first came, I think he, his debut or something, he scored a couple of goals and that. So he started really well, but then he had a, a couple of injuries um, and then kind of fell out of favour. And then whether or not that was because of the way that we were playing or the turbulence at the club at the time and stuff like that, um, he just wanted away uh, and his form dwindled because of it. Um, it's difficult to say because obviously with hindsight, we've seen the whole course of Nasir Chatley's West Bromwich Albion career over the course of like, you know, season and a half, two seasons. Whereas we've not really seen it. We've not seen the end of Matthias Pereira's West Brom career yet. We're still in the midst of it. And he's still a great player. He's, his first season in the championship, exceptional. Best player in the championship, in my opinion, by, by a country mile. But um, obviously in the Premier League, he's found it a bit more difficult. Obviously, the last few games, he's kind of brought it out. Obviously, hasn't been selected because of the system. Um, and after what Sam Allardyce has said this week, it looks like it could be a recurring thing. 
um, you know, that the fact that the new players we're going to mould the team around the new players, the players that he's brought in, and it means that you know players like Matias Pereira might not get selected as often as they think they, they should be. Um, but for me, I think Matias Pereira is not only a better player than Nasser Chadli, but has the ability to be better than Nasser Chadli. Um, yes, you know, well, throughout his career. Um, yeah, I'd say that he has, definitely has the ability to be better. Um, but like you said, based on what we've seen the entirety of Nasir Chudley's career, I'd say that on his day, what we've seen from Nasir Chudley is just just nips Matthias Pereira uh, to the post. Uh, but Matthias Pereira will be a better player than Matthias Pereira, uh, Pereira than Nasir Chudley, in my opinion. But mm. the second part, he's one of the better players we've had. I'd agree because uh, again, it all comes down to on his day because sometimes he'd go missing, sometimes he wasn't asked. But on his day, Nasir Chadli could be unplayable. And he was an absolute delight to watch, I must admit. Um, and it was a bit of a coup when, when he came. It was like, wow, this is a, quite a big signing. Um, it's just a shame he was crowbarred into a Tony Pulis side. Um, well, this is this is um, where history repeats itself a little bit. Because I was about to say this, that Matthias Pereira has been, as you say, crowbarred into a Sam Allardyce team of negative football, negative tactics from you know most people's perceptions of football. Um does Mateus Pereira have to leave Albion, a Sam Allardyce Albion, in order to to become this player that we know that he can be? Or if he stays, say we stay up this season, and Sam Allardyce stays and he makes his millions and millions of pounds for keeping us up, you know, does he have to leave Albion in order to go to a team with a better suited system so he can progress to become this player um, that we know that he can be? No, because there'd be more time for him to adapt and more time for him to be integrated. We've got to bear in mind that Sam Allardyce wants to manage JJ Okocha, who is ridiculously techy. So there's room for him, and he's got to start every game, in my opinion. We've been through that. But um, at the moment, then, yeah, I'd say yes. He should, he, he'd be thinking, oh, if I was elsewhere, I could play so much better. But I think there's room for him in the Sam Allardyce system, as I mm. spoke about before. But it is, it is a comparable, comparable one because of the styles of football we were playing at the time, the type of player they are. Um, but I think Matthias Pereira is far more consistent than Chadley um, and will be a better player than him. So, mm. thank you for that. That's a very good one. I'm very much liking these unpopular opinions, Dom, are you? Yeah, mate. Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely debate-worthy, aren't they? Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, I haven't heard Nasir Chadley's name in a, in a long time. So, we move on to the next one. It's a Matty Phillips two-parter from two separate people. First one, the Baggies Fan Zone. Matty Phillips has been one of the best players for the Albion in recent years, but no one wants to talk about it. We'll address that one, and then we'll address FXIP underscores. Matt Phillips has been the best in the Albion squad and the player that has tried the most. Now, for the former, I'd agree. Um, he, was been, he was very good for the Albion, especially in his earlier years. Um, passion, always there. Continues to be a great professional now. Um, and at, uh, at his peak... He was a mainstay in the Albion squad and it'd be frustrating when we didn't see him in the team because he was a very good player for us. Um, my opinion's definitely changed mm. but we'll address him being what he's done in the past first. So, Dom, Matty Phillips, first signing and then his first few years at the club, what are you making a bit? Yeah, when he signed from, you know, Queen's Park Rangers back in, I think it was 2016, um, you know, I was really happy with it. He signed, you know, a good contract. I think it was like four years, five years, something like that. Um, and I thought, okay, he's a player that's going to do a good job. He had a good precedent at QPR, good amount of form. I think it was like him and Junior Hoylet, wasn't it, that were on the wings in, in, for QPR in the Championship in the Premier League. Um, 
and he came to us and we were a club that was starved of sort of attacking options from the wing and he offered a great attacking option playing down those wings. And like I said, first couple, two, three years, two, three seasons, very, very happy with Matty Phillips. However, we've seen a like a, a very long course of degradation with his form really where it's kind of just got to a point now in 2021 where for me he's just unselectable um might seem a bit harsh but we don't have many options off the bench and when you bring Matty Phillips on he doesn't really change or alter the game and Sam Allardyce has this thing where he does like to start him for some reason I don't know why I'm not privy to it um you know but he does like him starting and he likes to bring him on roughly in the you know sort of the 68th early 70th minutes of games if we're down which let's face it is most of the freaking time so Matty Phillips comes on an awful lot from the bench um so for me I think you know we were talking before about get you know sort of having a clean slate you know if we get relegated getting a bit of the dead wood out of the club and for me he's probably one of the first names on that dead wood list you know, get Matt, Matt Phillips out, really, if I'm being really, really ruthless. Yeah, well, that moves on to the second one, um, about him being one of the better performers this year. Um, and I'd have to disagree. I really would just have to disagree, because I'd, I'd like to maybe see a bit more of him centrally, possibly, but even then, I don't know if, if he's still got it necessarily, or if he needs mm. to move on to pastures new, um, because it, it, it's just, I don't think, there's a lot there anymore for him at the Albion. I don't know what mm. his role is anymore. Uh, he comes on and he seems tired after a little bit, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, and it frustrates me when I see him do this little hesitation thing, which used to be really <laughs> good. Like it used to it used to mean something. Like he had such an explosion of pace. Uh, I think that's something he's lost, and that was a big part of his game. Um, so I'd say yeah, he used to be able to beat players quite easily, didn't he? Yeah, he used to have a definitely. great turn of pace. If we're using the old uh, match of the day cliches, he had a great turn of pace. Uh, he could beat players really, really easily. But obviously now, part of his game, I don't, know, I don't know if it's age or his fitness or um, his confidence. I don't know what it is, but um, I don't know if you remember when he first came to the club. He did a few candid interviews um, about his confidence and about his motivations and things like that coming from QPR and. I don't know if he necessarily suffered with mental health. I don't know if it was necessarily um, that obvious or he, he necessarily said that directly. But I remember him having a lot of candid interviews basically saying that he was bummed out. He wasn't enjoying his football at uh, the back end of his QPR career. And he was kind of coming to Albion to reignite his passion for football. And I think he did the first couple of seasons. And it definitely contributed to... Um, you know, to the team, and you could see in his personal performances, in beating players and stuff like that. Yeah. So when I think back about early uh, Phillips coming to the club, it was those moments. You know, beating players, a bit of trickery on the edge of their eighteen-yard box, a leader, um, elite, yeah, that kind of stuff. But then when you see him now, he's kind of the shell of the player that he was when he first signed back in twenty sixteen. Um, and as I say, you know, you've got to be ruthless sometimes. It's a ruthless business, yeah. football. Um, and you know there are certain there are a certain amount of there's a certain amount of money for wages. He's on a decent wage, and I would say he'd be like I said the, one of the first names on that on that list of um, you know exiting players. To be perfectly honest, yeah, and I don't think there's any there's no spite in that. There's if if Matty Phillips went to pastures new and reignited his form, then amazing. I think he's a really nice bloke. He's been a great servant to this club, as of many players that have left recently, like Chris Brunt and and these guys that have been important for the Albion. But they've moved on, and if he moves on, and I hope he finds form again because he's a great player and seems like a great bloke mm. and he's a great pro. So, previous Matt Phillips, 
brilliant, loved him. Now, I don't think there's much of a role for him at the Albion anymore. We move on again and we move on to a topic that was very hot during the transfer window in the summer um, and led to a lot of controversy due to the manner in which he was loaned out and will be eventually sold, I think, if it's an option to buy. Ahmed Hagazi, um, when he went to Saudi, I believe, is it Al-Attad, someone like that. And uh, it was all behind the manager's back and a lot of people were angry, a lot of people were indifferent to it. Uh, I myself was indifferent. Uh, but people were, were saying he was far, a far better defender than everyone else we had and that he should have stayed. And it is Jack underscore 1306 who says, Hegazy is better than our whole defence. Um, I would I would disagree with that because of just the sort of the uh, decline in Hegazy's quality since we left the Premier League. Because don't get me wrong, in the Premier League he was our best defender at to- um, mm. for a couple of years. Really, really good defender. Wanted by a couple of big clubs. He stayed. We managed to keep on to him. And he was great. He was a rock at the back. Especially in those Pulish years. However, it didn't really fit under that Billich style. Uh, had a couple of good performances. You know, put his name back into the ha- uh, into the ring. And I think Billich realised that and thought he could keep him on. More so for the experience. And was definitely angry when he was sold behind his back. Um, but I don't know how much of a difference Ackman Hagazi makes to this defence in all truth. I mean, for me, I would I would partly agree with uh, with Jack's comment, uh, not as an absolute statement, because obviously he's not better than Semi Ajayi. You know, Semi Ajayi for me is by far the best defender we've got at the, in the club at the moment. Um, so he doesn't beat Semi Ajayi. So by proxy, um, no, I don't agree with that statement. But I could kind of see what he's saying. Um, I mean, for me, we talked about Carl Bartley and Carl Bartley having you know progressing and. Um, being a better defender compared to his previous season in the championship, right? But he's still not of the Premier League quality, in my opinion. And there's a couple of other defenders where that's the same, you know, Connor Townsend, Darnell Furlong, where, you know, they were peripheral championship players. We've said it countless times on this podcast, and then they've had to develop in order for this Premier League campaign to, to move into the first team, and they have, and they've got to be commended for that, obviously. But they're still not of that Premier League quality, right? Hak Medhagazi... What in the Premier League, even though obviously we got relegated at the time, was part of the players that we were like, wow, this is this is a top end defender, and he was probably the best defender we had at the club at the time. Yeah, really. And good. I'd, I, yeah, proper good. And I mean, like you said, I think Liverpool were interested in signing him at one point. That's yeah. how good he was. Um, and then obviously he was very similarly to Matt Phillips, but he was very short term compared to the long term degradation and deterioration of his form. In the Championship, he was a shell of his, of his former self. He really was not um, the competent defender that we he grown to love in the Premier the League. Um, you got to think he went from a very. Uh, someone on Twitter said uh, that under Darren Moore it was such good vibes because it was just attack and inshallah and just no defense at all. Yeah. So that was I found that brilliant because it was it really was it was defense club seconds let's go out and score goals play some good football um, mm. and a lot of that is about having some good ball playing set of halves and he sort of struggled in that and then struggled a bit more to establish himself under Billich. I think he did have some good performances under Billich though when he adapted and we, uh, near the end of that season we, we, a lot of us were thinking hey he could sort of play that role. However going up to the Premier League I think it would have been a good jump uh, a big jump back to the Premier League for him. Um, not to say that I wanted I him to know. leave. I, I think it would have been good to have for rotation and definitely for experience and when we're having bad patches like this to to plug him in, like looking at this Sam Allardyce team now, yeah, Ackman Hagazi had, had fit into it, I think. Um, well, this is why I agree start- with Jack a little bit. 
That's what I mean because well, I, I feel think like at the start of the year. Well, if I'm yeah, well, the yeah. Year, the he, question... was, he was going, and I wasn't that indifferent. Now, the if only we reason call him, then I probably would. But I was indifferent, similar to you. However, my opinion has changed, obviously, because of the context, the situation, stuff we know, and obviously Sam Allardyce coming in. But the reason why I was indifferent, same as you, was because we were still. Obviously, he was so, he was sold after, wasn't he? He was he was he was loaned out after the transfer window, so we couldn't bring people in. But at the time, I was thinking, okay, Ahmed's going to go. Ahmed's going to be sold. Yeah. There's all this furor anyway. There's all this transfer speculation about him going to Saudi Arabia. So he'll probably be sold. We'll use the money and we'll sign a better centre back or someone that's informed. You know, fair dues. Never that's happened. fine. That's the way it works. Never happened. So we didn't fully replace him. Okay, we bought people in like Kipre. Ivanovic. You know, but they're. You know, and Ivanovic, and when Ivanovic came in, obviously the guy's got Champions League medals, mm. Premier League winners' medals, and you think, wow, okay, yeah, he's 36, but still, what a bloody pedigree to bring into our club. Um, but then you can kind of, after the performances have dwindled, you're like, yeah, I can kind of see why Zenit let him go. <laughs> if you can't get a game at Zenit, mm. uh, he's not going to play in the Premier League week in, week out. And he hasn't, because he's terrible. And again, we're talking about shells of their former selves in uh, Phillips and, and Hagazi. I mean, you know, Ivanovic is like a skittle. You know what I mean? The guy is nothing but shell. So <laughs> Whoa, the guys are... Geez, exactly. But yeah, he's Fair awful. So... The the question is, is that would we be a better defence with Ahmed Hagazi in it? And I'd say, yeah, probably. At this point, if we drop Carl Bartley and put in Ajayi and Ahmed Hagazi, then they're probably our best two centre-backs at the club. So going back to Even it's Jack, Jack's question, yeah. Jack's question would be, no, don't agree, because Semi Ajayi is by far numero uno in the defensive department at the Albion. But would it make for a better defence? Yeah. Absolutely, I think we'd be a, a better defence with Ahmed Aghazi still at the club. Yeah, I think looking at looking at the looking at the Allardyce thing, you know, he might be better than Bartley. I'd say they're level pegging. Uh, also, Hegers is not as mobile as he once was, so that's another knock against him. Um, we'll move on to the last one now, Dom. I'll just I'll just scanning over them. Um, a couple of them. Sawyer's is awful. New striker is lazy. I wouldn't say Soyuz is awful. I think there's a role for him in some team. I just don't think that is us anymore. Yeah. Um, I, again, I would like to say that because I've been critical of Soyuz the last few games. I don't think Soyuz is necessarily awful. I just feel like he's he's not a great player. He's not the best player in the midfield at all. He's one of our lower echelon of players. But in this system, it really hones in thumb, his, the weaknesses. Thing. Yeah, well, it really hones the weaknesses of yeah. his game that we all know about, his def- defensive capabilities and stuff. Something that's very, very necessary yeah. in, a, in a Sam Allardyce system. Uh, that so came in it really from, just accentuate that. That came in from JYS8751. Thank you. James Saw 98 Townsend massively overrated. I think by some people, yeah, they act like he's a, a bona fide Premier League starter, which I think he has had performances that may suggest that, but we spoke about that being temporary and I think that mm. showed obviously with his last few performances um, we've done the Bartley bet. Bartley is better than Ajoy from Matt.Sid disagree completely mm. um, I think you would as well Dom yeah Kieran Gibbs has completely passed it 1000% agree that from Daniel.Marshland um, another name on the Deadwood team sheet I think yeah well he could be going to Inter Miami in the summer uh, well apparently his deal fell through in Jan as well so mm. Uh, Baggy's Bulletin coming in with Grant and Grady are top signings and will be big players for the club. I think if, when, if we do go back down to the Championship, I'd like them to mature as players even more. You know, and that's why I'd like to see us bring in a manager that will, you know, play to these guys' strengths 
and that will develop these guys into really mm. good pros. You know, like what Norwich are doing. They've gone down with Daniel Farker. They've had a bit of a slip recently, don't get me wrong. But they didn't panic, they didn't sack him, and they're looking to build back, and they're still at the top of the championship. Well, um, they're two players that we know can play at that level, and they've yeah. not only just played at that level, thrived at that level. Carlin Grant is one of the top goal scorers in the championship for the last two seasons when he was in it, and Grady Diangana was arguably tied with Matthias Pereira for being one of the best midfielder uh, players in the championship last season, easily. Right, So we know that they're players that can play and thrive at that level. So as you say, the silver lining for dropping down to the championship will be that these players will be able to thrive once again, fingers crossed, at that level. But it's whether or not that if we were to then come back and do the the whole boing-boing thing that we're kind of used to at the baggies um, and come back to the Premier League, is it going to be much of a muchness? Are they going to come back and, you know, not be able to play at a Premier League level? Or will another season in the Championship reinvigorate them and help them along the the course to, you know, progress their game and to progress themselves uh, individually, that they will come back stronger? Obviously, we can't say at this point, but you know we hope for the latter happening. Obviously, yeah, most definitely. Um, interesting one here from Thomas Puddifoot. Forgive me if I got that wrong. Um, Big Sam has never been a good manager. Um, I understand where this comes from. However, I disagree, disagree. because he's had <laughs> he's had some good years as Big Sam. Don't get me wrong. However, mm. I think the style of foot. I think his style of football. It you know can be classified as dinosaur. It's that it's like old. It's very prototypical of old British football however I think it's also old fashioned in the sense of the the modern style of that football if you understand what I mean so you could you could argue that managers like Sean Dyche and Diego Simeone and a lot of top Italian managers play a very defensive style of football however they feel a lot more modern than what Samuel Dyche is trying to play now if that makes sense even with Roy Hodgson, I don't know. I think a bit I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna back aggressive. Sam a little bit because I feel like it's really easy to tarnish him with this kind of old school meat and potatoes English football kind of lark. But if that were the case, we'd still be man marking. We'd be we'd be doing all this kind of what Mourinho would call Victorian football tactics. There are elements to Sam, the way that Sam Allardyce plays. It's very very modern. It's just obviously because of the way the guy looks, the way the guy acts, the way that he. Um, you know, carries himself in interviews, kind of murks the waters a little bit with the the way that we could kind of see his implementation of football tactics. Yeah, I think so. I think I think Diego Simeone and I think the way that Atleti play, if you to use that as an example, like you did previously, play a very similar style of football. The difference is is that the quality that Atleti have compared to us is astronomical. No, so when you've got a quality. similar level of tactics with. You know, like uh, Saul in the midfield and, and one put Suarez up front and all this other kind of stuff. That when you've got the quality there, it becomes very easy to, you know, sort of create a brand of football and people to get behind it. But there's no um, intent to obviously... play like that. Like, if you look at the well, way we don't have Burnley the means play, to. The Burnley have a far more, as Dom dropped something, Burnley have yeah. a far more <laughs> fluid sense to them uh, under Sean Dyche than we do under Sam Allardyce, which is why I feel like even for his brand of football Sam Allardyce is going out of date with that because these teams are are playing much better football in very similar systems and they're being far more successful so I think I just think Sam's no, don't get me wrong. He's not, I don't. I don't agree with the tactics that he uses as a football fan because I find them very negative. But what I mean is, is that it's like it's, and I've been guilty of it in the past. I, I think as well. It's just 
to reside him to the scrap heap and to just go, he's the, he's the bygone era, he's this, he's that, blah, 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 blah. And obviously it's very easy for us as football fans to look at him like that because we watch the Premier League week in, week out. We watch Albion, we, we can kind of, um, you know, resound him to that, right? But when we look at someone like Simeone, these other managers on the continent that will do this kind of stuff and play a similar style, but just with better quality players um, and a bit of nuance around them, um, it's kind of like, oh, well, they're great, they're this, they're that. They, they've been built into something that they're not themselves, right? I just don't think... I think it's a bit of a disservice to him. And he has built teams that play good football, right? 100% England record. Uh, greatest England manager in history, mate. Um, but no, I mean... <sighs> He made a good... His Everton team played good football. His Bolton team played good football, right? His Bolton team was a great football. Stilios Giannopoulos. Uh, you mentioned JJ Okocha previously as well. You had all these teams that built from the back um, and were great, a great defensive unit, don't get me wrong, but mm. because he had quality players in the midfield and up front, he had license. He had license to, to play different ways and had more creative outlets. Um, whereas he feels like... And this is... What I think he is, is that he feels like he has to really go with the nuclear option with West Brom because we've got a terrible, we had a terrible defensive record before he came. Now we've got a it's terrible worse, defensive though. record and worse. even worse. But he feels like he has to implement this very, very negative system in order just to, to get us over the line. I think that's the way his mindset is at the moment. I think he's gone too far with it in that sense. And this is what I mean when he feels so much more outdated than others because of. That there's there's no willingness to even sort of play through the midfield, uh, or when we do play through the midfield, it's substantially better. Look when Matthias Pereira came on against Sheffield, um, mm. was it Sheffield or, or Tottenham? We played last, sorry. Mm, Tottenham. Far more improved. We were far more improved. His class on the ball makes us better, but we we seem to bypass all that. And I understand mm. the long ball philosophy, um, but it just feels a lot more um, prehistoric than what managers like. Take Sean Dyche as an example. Forget Diego, Diego Simeone and these guys. Sean Dyche doesn't have the best players. However, he'll still make certain... There'll still be decisions to play um, the ball on the floor a bit more than long ball. And Burnley have better players than us, but n- not by a lot. You know, Matos Pereira would be one of their better players. Um, and they still no, like to they've had, through channels. Because they've been in the Premier League longer and they've had the money and they've had the, the ability and the capability to improve their squad with uh, you know people like McNeil and all these kind of guys. But when they first and came up and when they become... We're back to work online again. About the well, that's what I mean, yeah. But obviously, it, it obviously all comes down to that. But if we said mm. that every podcast, it would be very, very boring. But, Hello, um, welcome to the when they've had podcast. Like, it's Lies Fault. End. Yeah, lie out. Uh, very easy podcast to do, mate. Um, but like when they had, you know, Vokes and all these kind of players up front, and they played very negative football, but they stayed up and they knew what they were about. That's the thing. Very, very transparent. And now we use Burnley as an example, who have been sold to an American consortium. Uh, I think it was last week, being sold to an American consortium, and they've already got into some really shady shit. Who's already, this, it's. Burnley, Burnley being sold to an American oh, right, yeah, consortium, yeah. and there've been and there's already reports out saying that there's been loans taken out in people in people's names that aren't off the board or in the consortium. All this awesome. kind of really shady stuff that's been going on. So it's kind of like, oh, could we see the end of Burnley? Because it happened to us. We were a pretty well-established Premier League side until we got sold to uh, Jai Quinn Lai, and all that stuff kind of happened. So, I mean, who knows? You know, there could be turbulence at Burnley. Because of this takeover, who knows? Or they could do a Wolves and you know start going for European football. Who knows? One of the two. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's impossible to say uh, at this moment in time. Um, wish them all the best, uh, but I just hope we do even better. Uh, 
Um, but that is it for unpopular opinions, guys. Thank you very much for those. Keep sending them us because we mm. want to. We want to, you know, have one or two in an episode. Like we'll talk about something else. Say if there's big news, say you know West Bromwich Albion get bought by Billy Bean. Um, Dara O'Shea wins the Ballon d'Or, and then we end that episode with um, unpopular opinions and a Albion favourite moment, which we'll do now. Like I said, guys, we want to be rounding out these shows with favourite Albion moments from the fans of West Bromwich Albion, also fans of the podcast. And the first one, we had a lot in. We really appreciate them, which means we've got a lot to use uh, going forward. Mm. And if you ever get the urge to send us another one or send us one that you haven't sent before, or if you're new and haven't sent one yet, be sure to shoot them over and you could end up in an episode in the future. But Ooh. we start. Yeah, there you go. Put that on your CV as well. Featured on Two Bags on Arbor podcast. Job secured. Don't even worry about it. Um, we'll start with Baggy's Bulletin with a memory from the Tony Mowbray promotion campaign. Mm-hmm. Favourite Baggies moment for me, guys, was when Chris Brunt scored the equaliser against Southampton in that Tony Mowbray team when we needed a point to go up. It was a horrible game and uh, Southampton took an early lead and then they just hung on to it. Richard Wright, their keeper, had an absolutely amazing game. But then, yeah, right at the end of the game, Brunty delivered the goods, smashed one in, came sliding in to the Brummie Road, Alfred's End corner to celebrate, and I managed to get on the pitch with the players. Absolute scene. So, yeah, that was definitely my favourite Baggies moment. Well, it was a great moment because of what it, you know, what it meant, The like you said, the scenes, absolute scoundrel getting on the pitch, bloody hell, get the old <laughs> bill on him. Now, you know, just a, a great time in Albion history and, a proper legend in Chris Brunt, a proper happy time as well. We had a lot mm. about the five-five against United as well, which are really good. Um, but we spoke about that on the podcast. But that, that's a moment I think we haven't really spoke about much. Obviously, you were you remember that a bit more than me. Um, well, I remember the, what Baggy's Baggy's Bolton was talking about there. You know, he, he came sliding it to the Halfers Lane. I was sat in the Halfers Lane. Chris Brunt still owes me a hot chocolate, mate. Still owes me a hot you chocolate. Got it went freaking, went freaking everywhere, <laughs> mate. It was a miracle it didn't get the uh, the two poor women sitting in front of me as well. I had to apologise. It went freaking everywhere, mate. I was ah, it was just full takeover emotion. It was great, and it was it was just like uh, Bulletin just said there. It was because it was such a a, a ground out affair. And then obviously it just came out of nowhere. It was like boop, 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 bang. It was in. And then hot chocolate everywhere. You know, trying to go down. There were scenes everywhere. People out of the seats, all down the uh, stairwell, you know, spilling out onto the pitch. You know, I miss stuff like that. And obviously when we're in quarantine now, you miss it even more, don't you? Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd kill to have a, a, hot, a hot chocolate poured over you in absolute oh, limbs, mate. wouldn't you? To have an absolute watery hot chocolate for four quid at the Halford's Oh, Lane. yeah. And and then have half of it go everywhere because Chris Brunt is is an absolute freaking legend. Love the guy. Oh, I did not miss the half. But yeah, man. you you still owe me a hot chocolate, Chris. Yeah, Chris, come on the podcast if you're and, and pay my man his money. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I need my three eighties then. Oh, come on the podcast. And we'll, we'll we'll wipe it off you, Saf. Um, <laughs> oh man, I do not miss sitting in the Halvers line. I'm very very. Uh, we were young when we sat there, so I'm, I'm glad we don't sit there anymore when we do go. Yeah, you're packed in like sardines at the Halvers lane, so I don't actually miss. Uh, sitting there, being a six foot four man. Then but you put me next to you. The actual memories. Oh mate, I think I'll shift to the east stand if. That's where I've sat. That's where I've sat in early games because obviously going to uni and work that sort of got in the way of my Albion sort of going antics. But now when I go, it'll be mm. east stand, possibly Smevik as well next year if I can get if we can get tickets there. Um, 
so well, it's just being able to go, mate. That's the thing. You know, fingers crossed we can actually yeah. go next season. It's not going to be this season. You know, it's not yeah. going to happen. No, not at all. Um, but hopefully next season, even if we do drop down to the championship, it's still going to be fun as hell. It's yeah. going to reinvigorate, um, you know, the footballing love that you have. Just being able to go to the games, go to the Vine, have your chicken and your, your Bathams, go to, go to the game. Watch us absolutely roll someone over if we're in the championship. Yeah, um, hopefully. Have a laugh and then and then you know meet your friends afterwards or, or go home and do podcast watch a bit of match of the day or yeah. yeah do a bit of a podcast. Yeah, well, that's something we need to bridge. We need to bridge what our content will be when we're allowed back in the stadium. Um, you know, you might see WBA TV outside and that'll be us. Um, I don't know about that much. Yeah, actually. you could be Robbie, son. <laughs> Don't say Robbie. Oh, mate, okay. I'll talk to you after that about Robbie, but my mates are going to have a field day with that. Um, <laughs> but we'll round it off there, guys, um, because we've had real fun with this episode and we want to get you guys involved more and we feel like we've done that today and it's going to continue, so have no worries about that. Dom, thank you for joining me. Yep, pleasure, mate. And uh, good questions. Like We've yeah. got loads of them. We've got an absolute catalogue. We've got an, we've archived them all because we've had so many, to be honest. Um, so, like we said, thanks for bringing uh, for, uh, for sending them in, um, and keep sending them in because they're great. A lot of the a lot of the pleasure of having these messages is, especially with your moments, is you kind of forget. Obviously, you yeah. know, and then people have these like incredibly passionate moments for for matches that have happened years and years and years ago, and you think, oh yeah, of course I remember that moment, you know, and it's uh, it's great just for us to to recollect on on some of these album moments that you might as well you might sometimes forget. Yeah, it really does. It just unlocks stuff, doesn't it, in your brain? So thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, check out our other stuff. If you haven't checked out our interviews before on the sit down, those are the more timeless episodes that aren't dependent on results and stuff like that. So check those out. Follow us on Instagram at two baggers one light bulb. If you're on Twitter, more so we're on Twitter as well at two b one light bulb. Yeah. Uh, so because we're fairly new to the uh, the Twitter account. Uh, on there so remembering the handle is a bit difficult um, but we say thank you and we'll see you on Valentine's Day uh, we're hoping for a romantic affair against Ars- uh, Arsenal against Manchester United and mm-hmm. uh, come on you baggies as always